Hola mi gente, what up my people, my name is Pastor Rich Colon, I'm the lead pastor here at Santos Church, broadcasting to you live from Southwest Detroit, Michigan. Wherever you're listening from, I'm glad that you are listening. This podcast is meant to do one of two things, and that is either bring you our message content or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content. We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media. But for now, thanks for listening to this podcast. Gracias para escuchando este podcast. And let's get into it. Vamos. What up, though? Hola, mi gente. We're jumping right into week three of our current series, Words Create Worlds. Um, if you weren't here for the first two weeks of it, you're in luck. The podcast is available for those. Week one, we set the foundation for Words Create Worlds. I told you in that week that I pulled inspiration from a spoken word artist. His name's Propaganda. He has a book out called Terraform, Building a Better World. And the thought that and the theme that permeates through that book and that content is how our words help us create better worlds. Our words create um, worlds for us and others to live in, and, and they help us tell better stories. And in that, it shapes the reality around us. And so we took that, we ran with it. We also infused, obviously, the biblical truth and the biblical values that the power of death and life is in the tongue, um, and that your words really, really, really um, have a lot of weight and a lot of power to them. And so week one, we laid the foundation. Week two, we had a a guest speaker. My wife was our speaker last week. And if you didn't catch it, if you weren't here in person, go back and listen to that. Seriously, don't miss out on it. She talked about complaining and it was just so impactful, so practical. It was funny, but it was deep and it was just everything you want, I feel like, in a message. And so go back and check check that out if you haven't already. But this week, we're jumping in and we're talking about criticism. Now, if you know me, you know that this is a topic that is very, very personal for me due to a number of reasons. Due to a number of variables, criticism is something that like at one point I adopted and began viewing actually as one of my positive personality traits. Like I've always been a straightforward kind of guy. And growing up in my family, you had to learn to make the right joke or have the best comebacks to defend yourself because everybody, literally everybody in my family is clever, is quick on their feet, is quick-witted, is funny. I mean, it's dangerous how sharp my brother and my sister are, and and we get it from our parents. And so um, it's a fun and entertaining environment to grow up in, but at a moment's notice, anybody, literally anybody in my house could put you on blast and roast you at any second. So I quickly developed like a sense of humor around criticizing other people, other things as a mechanism to shift the focus off of me. The goal was if somebody was putting me on blast, I didn't want all eyes on me laughing at me. So I had to be able to turn it as quickly as possible onto somebody else to get the focus off of me. And that shifted from the household with my family and it went to my friends, right? It went to trying to impress girls. Like I became a big class clown. And when things started getting back to me about how aggressive I became, it was an eye opener. Actually, I got together with my wife and my wife, she had the heart to tell me the truth about my words. See, this whole time, I just thought it was making people laugh and it was joking and all those different things. But 
I actually, through the course of time, like managed to train my eye to look for insecurities and weaknesses in other people in order to call them out and highlight them and joke about them. We called it sarcasm back then. Now I would call it criticism. To openly criticize and ridicule others to get the focus and the attention off myself. My wife came to me one day. We had a I remember like yesterday, we had a clear conversation and she just said, I got to be honest with you. You make it hard for people to want to be around you. You make it hard to be your friend. You know, and I try to joke my way out of it. I was like, whatever, girl, like you here and you love me. You know what I mean? Right. But she persisted. She didn't let me like get out of it and wiggle my way out of it with more humor. She, she persisted. She was like, Richard, like seriously, like People have been coming to me because they're scared to come to you because you just seem so aggressive all the time. But people, people are hurt by you. You joke too much. You don't know when to stop. The things that you say don't come off as jokes. You're criticizing people. You're harsh with your words. You got to figure this out. And so for me, as I dug back, you know, at first I was like, yeah, it's just because that's my family. That's who we are. That's how my family communicates. But as I begin to process deeper, I realized that I was actually criticizing and ridiculing other people as a defense mechanism. When I was a kid, I actually developed severe OCD. It lasted a couple years. It was like from fourth to sixth grade, roughly. And it led to me washing my hands literally hundreds of times throughout the course of a single day, which all stemmed from a couple of events that happened to me. I was sexually abused at a young age a couple different times. And that trauma manifested itself in me through OCD, through uh, these defense mechanisms, one of which was criticism and, and, and sarcasm and ridicule of other people in order to defend myself. All the time when I would call it sarcasm or humor or lightheartedness, now I see it for what it was. It was criticism. And although it started for me as a victim, it became something where I was hurting other people now. It had grown in me and festered in me for so long, and I conditioned myself for so long to be able to attack other people, to to defend myself and to protect myself, that now I was doing it unwillfully to people that didn't even mean harm to me. And my criticism became so big that I was losing friends and hurting relationships that I had. This continued into my adult years. I struggled with it on and off. And I can happily say that I don't think it's something that I struggle with near as much as I did before. God has been good to me and God has really shown me uh, grace with my words and really helped me to, to be convicted when I've been sharp or been harsh with my words. But if you would have asked me when I was a kid if I thought this would be such a big part of my life, even going into my adult years, I would have told you no. But it was a big part of my life for a long time through interacting and communicating with people, so much that it still shows effects to a degree today. I still have to be super mindful of my words and my approach and how I come across to other people because I don't want to hurt people with my open and harsh criticism. Many of us today struggle with a critical attitude. Maybe you don't have the same background as me. Maybe you, 
you weren't abused or maybe you don't have a traumatic situation. Maybe you're not wrestling through like the PTSD of something that happened to you before, but maybe you've just developed a critical attitude. Maybe you've just become cynical of the world around you and then you've become vocal about that view. Maybe you weren't bullied. Maybe that isn't it for you. Maybe pride is the issue. Maybe you're too proud and in your mind, you're the one who's right in every situation and everybody else is wrong and you got to let them know about it. Maybe you developed the habit of criticizing people or things from afar. But really, if you got some context or some proximity, you'd speak differently about some things. Whatever it is, we have a problem in our culture with pointing out faults in other people, ridiculing openly other people. It could be a subtle jab about somebody singing or instrument playing, or it could be an entire Facebook post and tirade shredding somebody about something that you don't agree with. It could be something like telling your spouse how bad they are at remembering things, or it could be reminding your kids how many times they mess things up. Whatever the case, we don't realize how much criticism sustained over time can break down the human spirit and the image of God in other people. Paul is is one of the largest people in Scripture, one of the largest personalities and presence in Scripture. Throughout the New Testament, we see Paul doing a number of different things, right? Like he starts as somebody who's persecuting the church, then he gets saved in a radical conversion, then he's planting churches and building churches and training pastors, and then he becomes a martyr, right? He's locked in jail and eventually beheaded for his faith in Christ. And Paul, through everything he's gone through, Carmen touched on this a little bit last week, all the different things that Paul says that he's gone through and the struggles that he's endured, and and Paul has gone through these things, and Paul has a way of of talking to people in a way, in a time that he could bring harsh ridicule and criticism to people, to church leaders, to church elders, to pastors, to people who attend church, to the cultural nuance going around the church, right? That's influencing the words and actions of people at these churches. Paul could let them have it, really. Like if we're just being straight up, Paul could let some people have it. Paul doesn't do that. Paul has a way of speaking truth truly in love and then bringing hope instead of criticism and ridicule. Galatians 5.14 says this. Paul says, love your neighbor, or Paul's quoting, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul goes on to say, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Notice how Right after love your neighbor as yourself, it goes to talk about the nature of our words, the harshness thereof. If you bite and devour each other, it doesn't say you're going to destroy somebody else. That does happen, but we're also a casualty in that combat, in that interaction. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. It will tear both of you apart. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Do we want to cut people up 
Or do we want to bring healing with our words? We have the power of death and life in our words. We also have the power to cut or the power to heal with our words. Ephesians 4.29, we've used this verse throughout this series so far, but, but, but it's so powerful. It's so good. We got we to gotta, we mention it again. Ephesians 4.29, it's do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. But I want to highlight according to their needs, not according to what you think is so important. We got to say it, not what we think is, is, is so true that we got to highlight it to everybody else because everybody else is being deceived right now, right? According to that person's needs, what do they need? And then are we speaking from that place? Are we speaking for some sort of self-gratification or for some sort of pride that we carry? Are we speaking on behalf of somebody else's needs to the benefit of the people who hear it, not to the person who says it? The question is, what kind of person do you want to be? There's a pastor named Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle says it like this. He says, there's two different types of people. You have fault finders, and then you have hope dealers. When you choose to be a fault finder, you're like the Pharisees, right? Like, because this is what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees, we'd call them petty in today's culture, right? Like the, the Pharisees were petty. If you read through scriptures when they're following Jesus and his crew around, they're just being petty. Like Jesus is doing miracles, changing, changing people's lives, healing people, bringing reconciliation to people. And the Pharisees are standing by just criticizing him at every turn. When we're being fault finders, we're being like Pharisees. And not only are we being like Pharisees when we do this, we're actually, brace yourself, we're actually being like the devil. Did you know that in scripture, the devil is referred to as the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of believers? He is the accuser. He's the fault finder. He's the one that's going to look at somebody who's covered in grace and try to re remind them that, that they're actually not perfect that they're, and try to tell them and lie to them that they're not saved, that they don't have grace covering them, that God's grace isn't sufficient for the things that they've done. He's going to try to remind them of all the bad things that they've done or that they do, the thoughts that they think, the words that they say. He's the accuser. He's the fault finder. But when we're hope dealers, we're like Paul and so many others who choose to speak hope instead of criticism and condemnation. Romans 8.1 says this, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Paul writes this, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul declaring, now there's no condemnation. Because Christ declared, now there is no condemnation. Paul, who knows this very well because he persecuted the church, was a Jew of all Jews, and then after receiving grace, knows that Jesus really does bear the full weight of our sinfulness and our faults that anybody could find and declares now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How could we now stand on the other side and after scripture and God and Paul 
declare there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We stand on the other side and we shout against that and say, there's no condemnation for you. Okay, cool. But what about all the things that you've done wrong? What about the way that you talk? What about the way that you dress? What about the way that you act? Why can't you get this right? How come you don't remember? How come you don't ever seem to do this? and, And we just accuse people and tear them apart. Perhaps we need to remind ourselves there's no condemnation for us. So how dare we be the fault finders, the the ones who bring condemnation to others with our words. Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of hope, God is a God of hope, not fault finding. Instead of finding fault with all of us, Christ died in our place to bring hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was all about bringing hope. Even when he had to correct problems within the church because he did that, right? Like there's times that we gotta, we do gotta speak the truth in love, but we do have to have to handle some things for the sake of health, for the sake of, of, of bringing healing right, and health to a toxic or hurtful situation. There's times that we do have to correct things. But Paul, he would start his letter and end his letters by stating his love, his joy, his thankfulness for them. He would say things like, I praise God every time I remember you in my prayers. He was fixated on hope. He would get down to the nitty gritty, right? Like as Nacho Libra would say, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Paul would get down to the nitty gritty, but it was bookended. It was, it was met with the opening cadence being hope and joy and thankfulness and love. And it was ended in the same cadence, the same mood, the same theme, the same vibe, if you will, right? Like Paul brought hope. He knew that people still need room to grow. And when you want something to grow, the last thing you do is cut it down completely. Prune it, yes, but you don't cut it down. Are we cutting people down with our criticism? Are we creating a world where people can't grow, where people can't change, where people can't blossom around us because we're just cutting them down with our words? When you want something to grow, you tend to it, you care for it, you help it. So for us, when we're critical, it's important to remember that we are so far removed from the character of God because Jesus seen our faults and he chose to take them on himself instead of driving a wedge further between us and God. He gave us grace. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us hope. He gives us hope. He gives us love. He brings healing. Because of the great love Jesus has for us, we too should then go and show grace and show hope and bring forgiveness and bring love. So with our words, this is important to remember, words create worlds, right? We live in a world where all this can be dictated so easily by the way that we talk. So are we fault finders or are we hope dealers? Who are we gonna be? What world are we creating? A world where people can't walk around because they got to step on eggshells around us. Otherwise, we're going to call them out and cut them down. Or in a world where people have room to grow and grace to try and try again.
Which one are we today? Which one are you today? Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I love you, God, and I thank you that, as Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. That you didn't find every fault there was to find in us. You know them, but you didn't feel the need to call them out and drag us through them, God, in order to bring this reconciliation and redemption, God. Instead, you just said, I'm going to take it on myself, and I'm going to give you hope. God, help us to carry that same attitude towards other people. Help us to deal that hope that you dealt us and not constantly try to find fault with the people and things around us. Help us create a world where people have room to grow and blossom around us, not where we just carelessly, recklessly cut people down with our, with our criticism and our ridicule, God. Help us to be more like you today, Jesus. Help our words reflect the change that you've brought inside of us, God. Help us to create better worlds. Tell better stories. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at Santos Detroit or Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash Santos Church Detroit. If you find yourself in the Detroit area, we'd love to have you in person Sunday mornings at 11, 1953 Military Street. Either way, hablamos pronto. We'll talk to you soon.